Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. Welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. Today, I'm joined, as is per the usual, by my captain, my co-host, a man who's racing me, A.M. Gator. How you doing, Gator? Running hot. Running hot. Yeah, buddy. If you stick around at the end of the episode, I'm going to share one thing that you're not doing in your business right now that you're totally leaving on the table. And this is one thing that we're not doing, and I'm sure most of you in the audience aren't doing. We're going to share it with you. We're going to work together to improve this one thing that I think can have a big impact on anybody out there who's making money on the internet. We're also going to show you how you can make incredibly professional sales videos with great audio for under 50 bucks. And oh, actually, I'm going to tell a joke. Wow, this might be an LBP first. The first time ever. We've got a lot of little things to share today. we got to jam through it because we got to make a viral video this afternoon. We've got some incredible iTunes call-outs. I mean, absolutely out of this world. Adam Whites. I met Adam Whites in person. He's an incredible guy. He's running a great business. We're going to put his video up on the blog so everybody can see how you can make a great video. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming down to San Diego. It was really great to meet you, and thank you for being such an awesome supporter of the show. Thanks to Tim Conley, co-host of the Foolish Adventure podcast. I'm going to start a new mem. You ever watch that movie Amelie, where she takes little shots of the gnome around the planet? What I'm going to start to do is, I took a picture myself listening to the Foolish Adventure podcast here in this office because that's what I was doing this morning. What I want listeners of the podcast to start doing is taking pictures of themselves with the podcast on their iPod or telephone wherever they are. Could be somewhere really exotic. We've heard people in Paris and Singapore and Brazil or it could be somewhere very normal like you're just sitting in your bedroom in Pittsburgh. I want to start to put this up on the blog. Are we going to accept photos in the bathroom? We're going to accept only of the highest brow Order. Got it. Thank you to Derek as well for an incredible iTunes review. And thank you to Moto Vagabond Guy. He's a big reader of Sean Ogle's blog. Just left us an absolute glowing review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. We've got an incredible email from a listener listening to the podcast in Brazil. They look like HDR shots, Ian. We're going to put these photos up on the blog. Thanks so much. That's reader Nandrin. Nandrin's on a remote working trip in Brazil. Wow. Makes me want to go to Brazil. Thanks so much for everything. Everybody who's commented on the last episode, the last episode has just been blowing up on iTunes. It's been absolutely fantastic. I want to get to the meat and potatoes right away. Why not, Ian? Let's just jump right into it. We're going to warn you about 10 shady business tactics. These are things we would never advocate or admit to our mother that we may or may not do. This is a very hypothetical episode. We did a shady tips episode way back in the day. We're going to just add on to that because there's a lot of things, dear listener, that you have to be guarding against. Exactly. There's people out there doing some pretty shady stuff. We just want to tell you what that shady stuff Stuff might be and what we're absolutely not doing. We're going to keep this real fun, real quick. We've got 10 things. And the first thing, purposely misinterpret a direct response that somebody makes to you. I feel like this is something that business people have to get used to eventually because before you're a business person, you kind of like answer to everybody. But when you become a business person, you get into this position where all of a sudden the incoming requests become incredible and you can't fully express yourself to everybody that comes through the door. So sometimes you have to ignore things or you have to purposely 
misinterpret what they're asking. For example, I might contact you, Dan, as Ian from the Business MLM Association Biz.net. Oh, hey, Ian. How are you doing? Hey, pretty good, Dan. I was just hoping that, well, uh, see, I've got this blog. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. Cool. Blogs yeah, are awesome. Just this one little request. I guess I was hoping that you could link to me. Oh, you're totally welcome to link to the Lifestyle Business Podcast. And we actually have a page where we give policies and guidelines. And it's totally cool. Wait, Thanks what, so much for contacting about this. I really appreciate any kind of support you're willing to give to the blog. Uh, exactly. You know, you don't have to explain yourself to everybody. If you feel like someone's a little off track, maybe they haven't spent the effort to like really figure out where you're coming from. Totally cool to ignore or willfully misinterpret what they're talking about. Hey, I write emails all the time to executives, people that I want to do business with. And nine times out of 10, I don't get a response. When I do get a response, they only generally answer half of the things that I'm asking for. If that, this is very common for most high level dudes to ignore ignore a lot of what's coming in. You just have so much. You just can't take care of it all. It's hitting things on the point that you care about and scaling a relationship. Once you get to the point where you're business partners or friends or customer, obviously your communication point is going to be like more robust, more 100%. But as you ramp these things up, if people making ridiculous requests, yeah, you don't have to serve that. Number two, we would never act as if the decision is out of our hands when it's actually in our hands. Never commit to anything on the telephone, right? The basic idea is that when you're doing an interview with someone, when someone making a request of you in terms of sales, you always say, I'm going to get with my team and I'm going to follow up on your request. Always give yourself some space so people can't psychologically pressure you into making a judgment. That's right. So always defer to somebody else on these kind of things and also buy yourself some time. Absolutely. You want to think about this stuff. Number three, we would never call our competition and pose as a customer. Never. I'll tell you what's happened for us, Ian. We've actually started to become friends with some of our competition. Take advantage of the fact that entrepreneurship is a lonely task. And we've done some pretty interesting strategic things with our competition. Obviously, it didn't come out from us posing as a customer, but there's a bunch of different ways to interact with people. And this becomes really, really interesting. We've also done business with people and they've sort of spilled their guts to us. Yeah. And when you don't call your competition, absolutely don't ask for a quote either. Absolutely don't ask for a quote. That would be the wrong thing to do. Number four is very related, Ian. Don't go on and sell your competitor's product once you talk to them. Never done that before. Here's the thing. If you sell your competitor's products, you're going to know what the top performing SKUs are. You're going to learn how their business works and how it can be improved. We talked to somebody on the Ustream last night that they wanted to open up a jewelry e-commerce store. Let's say they do this video content as commerce approach and they go and they do a video series on investing in gold jewelry. They get a supply partner that's an e-commerce outlet and they present a bunch of different SKUs on their video and all of a sudden they're going to start to identify what SKUs are moving faster. You don't always have to do business with that e-commerce outlet, right? But start a relationship with them, you're going to learn a ton of stuff. And then you can go and go right to the supplier. You don't have to deal with the middleman forever, but dealing with the middleman, which is essentially what you're going to be or a retail point of sale, you're going to understand what their experience is, which is going to be parallel to yours. And you're going to figure out ways to improve on that. Tricky. Number five, we would never use a manufactured referral or a fake referral. Let me give you an example of this. If you're trying to contact somebody, maybe that you don't have access to, you just know their name. One of the things that you could do is you could say, hey, Bob, I got your name from Derek who works down in sales. It doesn't really matter if Derek really works down in sales or not, or if there even is a Derek, if you're talking about a large corporation. Got your name from can mean a wide variety of things. And so leave your conceptual umbrella open on that one. That simple little opt-in can mean the difference between getting an opportunity to talk to somebody and not. And there's more legitimate ways you can do this as well, which is actually start at a point of care, something that you saw that they did that you know that they value. Although personal referrals are absolutely the best. So you're building social 
social proof. The next thing we would never do is we would never tell someone that we owed money to that we were out of the country. No, absolutely not. Awful. Why would you do something like this? When you tell people that you're out of the country, whether it be your phone company, your credit card company, they seem to have a little bit more leniency. You might want to think about that next time. This is something that is very important in our business because we are an inventory business. We are a cash flow business. We have incredible numbers. Our AR right now is, for example, how much is our AR? $58,000. People owe us 58 grand right now. It's absolutely critical that you balance where your cash is. And so sometimes you have to put off that $10,000 credit card bill for another couple of weeks and deflecting these kinds of things in ways that would look really bad for them to come down on you, had to travel or whatever, can really help your business. These are important things to do. Another way to look at it is leverage the fact that American Express is an incredibly powerful financial institution. They don't need your $10,000 like next week. You need it. So that's important right. to understand. Number eight, we would never sell a product that we don't have in stock. This is absolutely something that we wouldn't do. Yeah. And we haven't done this in the past many times, actually. It's a great idea if you were to do it. What it's going to do is it's going to get a lot of information and data on the product that you might be selling before you have it. Might want to refund their money right away if you're actually taking payments. If you're not taking payments, then it's a little bit less evil. Right. But there's a lot of information to gain from actually asking somebody for money for a product that you're selling. We don't go out of stock on items on our website. First off, it's an operational hassle to do that. And the second thing is, is if someone bought a product, you can just call them and offer them a similar product that you do have that you can ship them. And once they've bought the product, you have their credit card, they're less likely to go back on that. Absolutely. Number two, we would never do a who is lookup. We would never stalk people on Facebook. We would never stalk people on LinkedIn. We would never go to Manta. And we would never do a Dun & Bradstreet lookup to figure out what kind of revenue numbers our competition or our aspirational competition is up to. All this stuff works for dating as well. Yeah, by the way, yeah, all these things do work for dating. And it gets really interesting. I do recommend when you're searching for somebody on Google, go ahead and go to the fifth and sixth page. A lot of interesting stuff tends to come up once you get to those later pages in Google. <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know uh, Dun & Bradstreet, that's just a way you can sign up for that service and get the revenue figures of other people. That could be important if you're planning on making a big capital intensive play. You want to understand where your competition's at. One thing I didn't mention is number six, do a site colon search on somebody's domain. You'll be surprised at what people don't protect on their server. Can you explain exactly how to do this? Let's say I want to figure out what Dan has all up on the tropicalmba.com. I'll type in site colon tropicalmba.com and what it will bring up is every single page that Google has indexed or put in their database for that particular domain. You can also use this as a function if I'm mentioned on a blog. I'll do this from time to time. I'll type in site colon myeggnoodles.com space and I'll put in quotation marks which is an exact match search and then you can put in a key term. So I'll put in Dan Andrews. Google will show me if Dan Andrews was mentioned on Chris's myeggnoodles.com and then I can go to see those sites. Well, here's an anecdote of how this has worked for me. I used to go to a big retail show. It could have been any retail show out there. I did a site colon search of their domain and what I ended up finding was they had PDFs that they were sharing internally that they had uploaded to their public HTML folder or their public website folder. And these PDFs had hundreds, hundreds of email addresses on them from buyers in our industry. It was like stumbling on a gold mine. You'd be surprised at the kind of stuff people were putting on their servers to share. I'm pretty sure that this is how the salty droid got that now infamous phone call of Frank Kern and Jeff Walker all talking. One of those guys put the phone call up on their servers. This is an interesting thing to do. It's public. It's out there. It's in Google. Go check it out. All right, our final one. We would never use Market Samurai or SEMrush to look into our competition's backlinks or their advertising spend. 
If you're an internet marketer and you don't have Market Samurai, you need to do two things right now. Number one, you need to go to our blog and buy it through our affiliate link. That's going to give us a nice little bump in cash to help us pay for the editing of the show. But it's also going to get you a program that you absolutely need to have in order to be an effective internet marketer, to do great keyword research. This program is absolutely essential if you're building niche sites. The second thing you need to do, if you're not going to do action number one, is you need to tell me what I'm missing here. If Market Samurai isn't the best thing on the market, I want to go buy the best thing. So I will buy it through your affiliate link. One or two things, dear listener, please let me know. I absolutely believe in Market Samurai. All the folks that work for us have it on their computer. We're constantly getting reports. In fact, I've got a couple reports on my desk right now from it. Absolutely incredible what you can do with this program. You can see exactly how many backlinks, exactly what the domain age is, and over a broad range of domains. Also, check out SEM Rush. You can look into the AdWords spend. We're just getting into AdWords. Now we're focusing on it. We've got an outside consultant, a listener to this podcast that will reveal in the coming weeks, assuming he does well. I think he will. I think he's going to do well. All right. So anyway, check out Market Samurai and SEM Rush. Let's move on to the quick tips, tricks, and or funny joke section. Everybody now knows that we have this mastermind group going on every week and we're learning a ton from it. We've got some really smart people in there. We realize there's one thing that we are not doing effectively in our business. If you are making money off of leads or sales, if you're making money on the internet right now and you're not split testing, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. We make a decent amount of income from internet sales or from web sales and we do zero split testing of our site. It's sad to admit it's daunting to do split testing and I did really lame split testing like I would change the design of stuff and then see what the impact was, but not in a methodical way. If you don't know what split testing is, it's just changing small factors on your site from the experts on our call, guys that make a living doing this stuff literally make a living. They're experts. They've done it for some of the top people like Ian Borders. This guy is so genius. I don't know if it's cool that I just said that on the podcast, but he is, man. He's so smart and he's given us these incredible resources. It's really inspired me to step up and say, we have got to implement this in our business. We've got to be smart about this stuff. What I'm going to do, I'm going to put on the blog some of the services that he recommends. He recommends his own service for sales letters. That's Hello Sherpa. He doesn't recommend his own service for e-commerce sites. He recommends Optimizely, but he's also got a, a couple other services that he's suggesting that we use like Kissmetrics, for example, for our cart abandonment and tracking people through the back end. If you don't have any of this big fancy stuff and you just want to see the radical impact that small changes can have, there's some incredible blog posts out there that show small changes and then show the behavior. And we're also going to link to that on episode number 55. If you feel like split testing could help out your business. And it can, if you're currently making money on the internet, go check out our blog and we'll just link to all the stuff that Ian Borders hooked us up with. Absolutely awesome stuff. Let me just break up the episode real quick to tell you a joke. Okay. How does a Welshman find a sheep in tall grass? Uh, Very satisfying. (laughs) Quick tips and dirty jokes. That's rich. One final thing. I bought a program this week that I think is going to be pretty critical. In fact, we're going to be building a marketing video in it this afternoon. The goal of the program is essentially to create high quality video using static assets. That's text, that's photos, and that's voiceover. So these kind of videos that Frank Kern would do where he types out stuff and he does the voiceover monologue. Keynote is essentially PowerPoint for the Mac. At least from my experience, it's much more powerful. Keynote is a $20 program for Mac users. We'll put up some examples of videos. We'll put up the NerdKits video, guys from nerdkits.com. 
put up some other videos of like the kinds of stuff you can do with this. And I think the difference is if you have real-time action like Adam White's does on his video, you've got to learn from guys like Adam or Izzy over at Izzy Video from Foolish Adventure. You got to go to their sites and you got to get in their memberships and you got to figure out how to light people, how to set up backdrops and all this crap. The great thing about doing a keynote video is that you don't need to do any of that. So essentially, it's much cheaper, at least conceptually, to make a video that stands professionally. And I haven't split tested this, Ian, but my assumption is, is you're going to make some incredible strides on your sites if you can add video content. The way you do this is you get keynote and the second thing you're going to need is good audio. Ian and I are not the experts on great audio. Sometimes we mess up on the podcast, but today's episode is going to sound good. We are both using $40 Logitech mics, which we'll link to. And the reason they create good sound is that they're a USB import into our computers and not into the sound card. And most people have just a sound card mic. That's going to sound like crap, or it's not going to sound nearly as good as you can sound with the USB. The professional podcasters out there, they're doing these like real high-end mixing boards and stuff. 40 bucks, you can make videos that can go viral on YouTube, that can be on a world-class e-commerce site that can serve any purpose you need them to do. Make sure when you export that MP3 file, you export it at a high bit rate. Don't do like a 128 bit rate. Do something over 250, and then you're going to get that high quality quality dynamic sound. All right, Ian, thanks for joining me today. We got to go make a viral video, buddy. Sounds good, Dan. Next week, we'll be doing our podcast from Southern Florida. So looking forward to it. Oh my gosh, we are. Wow, that's big news. Ian, always a pleasure. One thing the listeners could do, take a picture of yourself listening to the podcast somewhere funky. Yeah, we're going to make you famous. All right, guys, make a cold call, take a picture, join us next week. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, Lifestyle Business Podcast. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.